Welcome to our community of abundance-minded entrepreneurs. Join us as we meet people who believe that there is enough prosperity for everyone in the world, that collaboration is better than competition, and people who have chosen to master their own destinies as entrepreneurs. When I say community, I mean it. Our guests are here because they want to meet you. So be sure to take advantage of their invitation to connect at the end of the interview. Now let's meet another abundance-minded entrepreneur. Welcome to the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast. I am the Guy Who Knows a Guy himself, Michael Whitehouse. And today we have our guest, Sly. I'll let him pronounce his name uh, so that I don't butcher it, his his true name. But he is an ex-chronic stutterer that morphed into an award-winning international touring musician who has been interviewed on live TV and radio in multiple countries in two languages. He has been coaching and training people since the age of 16 and now helps you end stage fright and master public speaking anywhere from a Zoom call to Carnegie Hall. Using rock star presence principles, he distilled over 500 shows in 35 cities and five countries on two continents. Ladies and gentlemen, let's make some noise for, and I'm going to try it, Sylvain Haché, a.k.a. Sly. Oh, look at you pronouncing the E with the weird thing on top of it. That's beautiful. Thank you, Michael. At three years of French, I learned something. Oh, my sympathies. You Did you actually, where did you learn French? In high school. Oh, my Lord. This must have been boring. Jean aime les pommes. <laughs> Julie fait de la bicyclette. Oh, that, see, that's the thing. Whenever someone learns French in school or in a book, they always say, well, when I listen to people think or, or speak, they don't sound anything like that. Yep. Now, here's the thing. I was on a summit once that you just made me think about that. I was on a summit about uh, four or five months ago. And it's an English-speaking summit. There's me, which is Quebec, Canada, New Brunswick, Canada, French. And there's a lady from France on the same summit. Mm-hmm. And in the green room, we're speaking. But then the 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 host of the summit is like, wait a minute, you guys don't sound the same at all. Then I told her, okay, my French is like, sup, y'all, kind of French. See? <laughs> Her French is greetings, everyone. So the, the the same difference between Texas French and the Queen's English is about the same difference as, you know, New Brunswick or Quebec or certain mm-hmm. parts of Canada French compared to France French. So my sympathies for learning all that. And did you also go crazy when you realized that things had a sex uh, that I, I, it was mostly about memorizing all of it was the challenge. Like I, I accept it. Okay. That's what the language does. So that's <laughs> yeah. what it does. Okay. But... So I, I accept your mental disease. Uh-huh. Let me just try to memorize that. Yeah. See, it's, it's crazy. For example, take tiles on the floor. Every single tile is a woman in French. Mm-hmm. Une tuile, one tile female, but the floor itself is a man. Le plancher. <laughs> Work. Right? And it's a- yeah. Well, well, and, and then even better was cat. That male and female cats are both female, right? They're all la chat. Uh, le chat or un chat. Yeah, it depends. But then, yeah, I mean, it's just there's so many rules. It's scary. Uh-huh. English is so much easier. So English is my second language. Mm-hmm. And whenever say I want to express a thought in English, it takes me 17 seconds. It's snappy, it feels good, it sounds good, it sounds good. 
sometimes I mess the S up. It rhymes <laughs> and it snaps. You want to say the same thought in French? It's like an hour and a half and it feels like a question. I, I did once have a theory that, that the, the effectiveness of language maybe by how short it is, because, you know, English kind of dominated and the word for yeah. now in French is four syllables. That's crazy. So, so I'm, I'm picturing, you know, a, sold, a, a general ordering his troops trying to say, you know, go now. But it's, you know. I guess, yes, it's, it's a story. To, now, in terms of, see, I, I've been writing copy online since 2005, mainly in the coaching, self-help, consciousness, slash, uh, yeah, self-help field. And so I've written in French for like the first 10 years of that. When I switched to English, writing copy, I got to tell you everyone here, anyone writing copy in English feels like kicking and punching people. So it, it feels like, you know, like jabs and hooks and kicks to the nuts. When you write copy in French, it feels like you're massaging people. <laughs> it's, it's like you're just barely scrubbing them. They're like, ooh, thank you very much. The, 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 there's no embedded commands in French. Mm -hmm. There's no um, like double entendre of the meaning of switching from I to you in the middle of a sentence. So the person feels like it's concerning them now. So they're yep. going from a basic principles to now you so that you can. This thing in French does, is, doesn't even apply. Oh, wow. So th that's why, you know, but, well, there's more people that speak English as well. But in terms of if you measure any type of, of conversion, you know, the ratios of clicks to, to sales, it's not even fair. That is fascinating. Huh. Plus, if ever someone tries to take what we call American-style marketing... There's even a guy that I saw, like a TED Talk type of feel stuff, who was speaking about why, and he was in England or in Europe somewhere, why American-style marketing turns people off in that particular country. Whenever we try to take American-style copywriting, American-style, you know, kicking and punching, and translate that to French, we actually get complaints. <laughs> People tune off immediately. It's so crazy. So just to say my sympathies, Michael, that you had to suffer to try to learn French in a school with a little book. Good Lord. Yeah, it, it was it was a challenge. Um, and then, you know, I've used that to do things like, or pronounce your name. So that, that was valuable. Um, mm. That's beautiful. Kimberly yeah. Crow. I don't know if you know Kimberly Crow. Oh, yeah, Crow. I know Kimberly amazing lady she's amazing she's got the ex it, it, the the thing on e we call it accent aigu mm -hmm. she pronounced it on a summit once she's like sylvain ache is like wow sounded like the real thing but i just go with slides just easier because yeah. uh, sylvain in english is like sylvester stuff yep and sylvester just calls thighs sliced alone so a lot of people who are called sylvain slash sylvester all their friends just call him sly yeah so I just go with that, and uh, and, and I think one of the like one of the lessons in there too is if you make it easier to talk to and about you, people are more likely to talk to and about you. Yeah, but there's one thing I figured out that I need. I noticed it after, is that there's also 
a negative connotation to the word slide that I did not know. Oh, yes, there's that, yeah. So for me, in French, it's like a cool thing. Like, you have to deserve to be called sly in French. Mm-hmm. Like, if, if your name is Sylvain, you're not cool, you don't, you don't get the sly thing. <laughs> sly is like a badge of, yeah, this guy's cool in French. So I'm, I'm calling myself like, like that. Then I was speaking to a, a coach who's selling like really high-end marketing stuff. And she was like, yeah, this slide thing. It And I Googled it and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> it means like deception or something or like sleazy or like a, like a fox or something. Yep. Yeah, sneaky. So I might have to change that. But I, I don't know. I don't want to go for a pen name. I, know, that's, I think it works. If you say it, you got an accent, it's fine. They'll, they'll give, you the, <laughs> give you the pass there. Yeah. And so when we were talking before, uh, you, you mentioned that, that you also have a story of, of going from knowing no one and using that as an asset. Um, and since the theme of the, the current season is growing networking and, and uh, joint ventures, uh, I love we could you talk a little bit about your story about how not knowing anyone can be a good thing. I absolutely loved you when you told the story of moving to a city where you knew yourself and your wife. You walked into a room and said who, something like, who can I hope you with? What are you looking for? Mm-hmm. And you went from there and built it into what it is now, a guy who knows a guy. Now, I want to say to everyone, on record, you know, when, when you speak to someone, you, you always say, I know a guy who knows a guy. And it's a figure of speech. But I can honestly say right now, I know, space, a guy who knows a guy, mm-hmm. all in brackets, <laughs> Michael here. So here's what happened. Small village, Petit Rocher in New Brunswick. It, it translates to Little Rock or Small Rock. And I heard that there's a place in, in Arkansas called Little Rock yep. in Arkansas. Arkansas? Arkansas? Ar- How do you say that? Arkansas. Thank it, you. It's spelled Arkansas. It's, it's the state Kansas with A-R in front of it. And it's yeah. pronounced Arkansas because Arkansas. America. I would English. like to apologize to everyone in Arkansas. We're sorry, sorry. <laughs> so never been there. So a small village, about 2,000 people, 1,500. And if you count all the neighboring, you know, little places, it's 2,000. That means that every time you step outside, every single car that passes by, you either know who it is directly or you know, you have an idea of that's so such and such cousin <laughs> or that's that person works around there. Yeah, yeah. There, there, there's no car, truck bicycle like you see you see a bicycle and you know whose bike it is right it's a small small it's not a small town it's a village Mm -hmm. so that was my uh, so i was used to walking on the street every day everybody knowing me so you can't get away with stuff in public you always have to hide to do so at that time i was smoking cigarettes and doing drugs uh hiding that so I, i would hide to smoke cigarettes and then I moved to a city called Sherbrooke, which is an actual city. I don't know, 50,000, 100,000 mm-hmm. people, 200, like a small city. And then I moved there. And then the first morning, I step outside and I go to hide to, to, to light a cigarette. And then I realized, oh, shit, that car doesn't know me. That car doesn't know me. Oh, <laughs> no one knows me here. Now, it was the, at 18 years old, it was the first time in my life I had the feeling of freedom. Mm. The first time in my life I had the freedom of, oh, I can start again. I can start new. And nobody 
I speak to has any preconceived notion, oh, he's the son of so-and-so, he's going out with so-and-so, he's done nothing. Mm. That was a pretty crazy feeling. Now, fast forward a few, I don't know, uh, 20 years after that, 15 years after that, I'm living in Hong Kong. You know, when they have any type of National Geographic documentary and they show the busiest street corner in, in Asia from the top, where when the street goes like the crossing and everybody just rams into each other. Mm -hmm. It's always like the same national Drake, like, uh, like B stock footage. I lived there <laughs> in the Excelsior hotel in Hong Kong in the financial district. And I had a poster on the hotel, like five story high poster of, of me with the band there. So I'm living in that hotel for like six to eight, uh, like around eight months. And then I realized in that particular hotel, at any given time, there was always more than 2,000 people <laughs> in that hotel. That building was bigger than your so, village. Absolutely. So always. And then the density of population going on that mixed in with the nobody knows me there as well. But now they knew me because of the posters and stuff. So, yeah. for, for example, I used to have a show at 10 o'clock. And I would my, – my room was on the 26th floor. And we had a stationary show, like in like in Las Vegas, like always the same show, right, at 10 o'clock. So what I would do, I would, in my hotel room, put my guitar on, that particular strat there, the beautiful strat, right, that one. Mm -hmm. I would strap this on at 9.55, walk, walk into the elevator with my guitar on. But in the back of the elevator, there's a poster of me, right? <laughs> <laughs> but there's people in the elevator. And then, and then I would say... You know what? I heard there's a good show tonight. <laughs> just, just with a straight face. That was the funniest thing. And I would just walk in there, flip the amp, amp on, say hi to the guys, three, four, and then go into it. That was amazing. But the, the, the not knowing people versus having them know you because of your associations with other people versus having them know you for what you're doing which in that particular case was they knew me as the entertainer. Mm -hmm. They knew me as the guitar player. Versus you step into a room in a networking event or on stage and they know you as the networking guy or the public speaking guy or the whatever it is guy influences a lot the way people perceive you, which influences the way you interact with them, which influences ultimately your bank account. Yep. So being... Cognizant of how other people perceive you is important. Staying true to yourself no matter where you are. Now, at 18 years old, I was smoking cigarettes and doing drugs. In French, we say en cachette, which means uh, in private. Now I stopped doing drugs. I stopped doing cigarettes like a long time ago. I'm as clean as can be now. So there's no more hiding mm -hmm. anything. But the difference in how you interact with people in different countries and different cities is important. But you got to stay true to the core of who you are. And that particular type of not honesty, not vulnerability, not confidence, particular type of as-isness, mm -hmm. if that's a word in English, sure. like what you see is what you get type of stuff, that as-isness that I like to call comes across where you can get someone to trust if you're trustworthy if you, you get someone to trust you they resonate deeply enough with that almost instant instantaneously yeah. that's the biggest word i know in english <laughs>
Yep. Yeah. yeah I, I love that concept. You're, you're sharing that kind of the authenticity. Um, you know, if you're authentic, you don't, have to, you don't have to remember what your story is or what your mask is. And, <laughs> and I've discovered that. And I think this, this kind of gets to your, you know, kind of your expertise on, on stage fright and, and being confident on stage is that if you're always you and you've accepted that and you've accepted some people are going to like me and some people aren't. And if they don't like me, well, that's their problem. And if they do like me, great, let's connect. Um, I've in the pandemic, I've recorded, let's see, I just, I think I just recorded my 445th episode of the morning motivation daily podcast. And when I record that it's one take, I listen to 30 seconds to make sure the audio is good, publish and out. And I, I don't even listen to the episode. When I listen to it, it's on the air. So I'm the 50th person to listen to my episode. And if I said something offensive by accident, well, <laughs> oops, 50 people already heard that. But I don't worry about it because what I found is I'm me. I'm authentic. I say what I believe. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm trying to put across good energy. I do it on Facebook Live too. And I used to be like, oh my, oh, what if I said this? Oh, what if I, will, will I offend someone? Will, it, will that? And now I'm just like, I'm going to say it. And if I offend them, they can stop listening. But the same energy that drives some people away attracts others. And that gives me fans. And then I have people like, oh my, what you said was so amazing. And I loved him. Like, and, and you have time. I'm like, what did I say? Which episode is that? Let me go listen to it again. I, I don't, yeah, well, I, I just speak microphone and picks it up and then I hit send. And, but, but it, it's, it's living in that, that authenticity that makes me not worry. You know, someone would call me up and, and actually this happened a few weeks ago. Hey, I got a summit tomorrow. Oh, it was Kimberly Crow. We were talking about, I've got a summit tomorrow. I need someone to fill in. Um, yeah. Can you fill in? And I'm like, cool. What am I talking about? What time do you be there? Uh, how long? Who's the audience? Sure. Let's do it. Um, because I'm just going to be me talking about what I know and I'm ready to go. And, um, you know, if you're worried about, okay, who do I need to be? What mask do I put on? How, how am I speaking to these people? What's the vibe I need to do? That's when you, when you get scared. When you get hired, it, like they booked Van Halen to do a solo on a Michael Jackson song. Beat it. Mm -hmm. Van Halen shows up there and asks the producer, so what do you want me to play? Whatever you do, we hired you because you do what you do. Right? Yep. So that's the artist's vibe. The, that, that, that's a great thing. The same Kimberly told me that she was on, a, she got a call from Jeannie, her business, well, like one of her business part, partners or friend. Mm -hmm. And Jeannie was hosting a summit in London somewhere. She called her five minutes before the speaker is not there. Can you speak in five minutes? Sure. What's my talk title? There you go. Yep. Boom. Now, uh, the thing about what are they going to think of me? Uh, is my fly open? Am I good enough? Uh, what if I say that all that? I have a formula for that, Michael. Mm. Came up with that formula 25 years after the first day that I realized that the presence of the speaker, the presence of the messenger is more important than the message itself. Here's the formula. The exact percentage of your awareness that is inwardly focused dims your presence on stage, dims the perceived presence of the speaker. Mm. Now, when that presence dims, that's where people start to think, Nah, I don't trust this guy. Maybe he's hiding something. 
while all this time the person might be thinking internally when the presence when the flashlight of your awareness turns in on you and you start to think am i good enough uh, are they liking this uh, is this coming across the right way mm -hmm. uh, is bob in, is so and so impressed whenever that flashlight of your awareness goes inside now there's levels to that for some people it's almost as if they subconsciously go sit in the crowd and judge themselves It's like their awareness scoops out of their body. Imagine, you know, figuratively yep. speaking, they go in the crowd and they say, nah, that's not really good. Nah, I'm not buying it. And they're they're judging that and they're looking at that projection on this stuff, but they project that onto the faces and body language of people in the crowd. Mm -hmm. And then it creates a negative feedback loop of freaking out. Then the sweating starts and then the trembling and then, oh my God, what am I doing? <laughs> Now, When you take the flashlight of your awareness, the consciousness itself, and you put it, I have a three-step three step system for that, you know, the internal um, Jedi, master, whatever, long story short, you just put the presence out there in a way that, now, where people freak out with the presence thing and the being looked at thing, And the, when all eyes are on me, I feel a weird feeling thing. That's a very common for people. Because mm -hmm. people are used to arm wrestling in three by three office spaces. Their presence is a small bubble. People are used to, you know, arm wrestling and, you know, judoing with their presence. We go on stage, you know, man, we're talking thousands of people. Now, that's a token now because everybody, oh, I'm cool with public speaking. It's just a little camera now. <laughs> well, it's going to get back, baby. Don't worry. It's coming back. And then after that, what you're going to have is you're going to have, you'll be like a hologram in like a big stadium. And this will be translated to different languages in real time. That, that, that's what's coming as well. Mm. So the presence thing. When I was... Specifically, in Hong Kong, at the same place that I described earlier, there's a job in the subway, which the job is people pusher. So when the subway comes, right, everybody stuffs themselves as much as they can in the subway, and then the people pusher person pushes a few more in, holds them in, while the door closes and removes his hand, and then you're in the subway like this. <laughs> Like, these people have no concept of a bubble. Their sense of self stops at the skin. People bump you in the street in Hong Kong. I've lived in, in Hong Kong, in Macau. I've been to Beijing. I've been to uh, another country in China. Their personal self stops at the skin. Like, I hit you up. They don't even say sorry. But if I go, say, in Arkansas, yeah. a new word that I just learned, and I come too close to someone, like, hey, back off. What the fuck's wrong with you, right? Mm -hmm. That's what's going to happen because there's a concept of a bubble. Now, when people start to feel weird, it's because their concept of a bubble, they're used to, they have a problem that I call office-itis or cubicle-itis. Mm -hmm. Their bubble is like this big. And then they feel the contact of other people on the surface of their personal energy bubble. Yep. Now, what I teach people is, no, no, no. Your bubble needs to be bigger than the room. So when that thing happens, when your bubble, your sense of self, the power of the message and the messenger and the thing you're carrying, it's a three-step system that I have, it's bigger than the room, 
Well, you don't have this clashing of the of energies itself, and they're in your bubble. So they get more in the story. You feel the audience. You see them deeper. They feel seen and they feel heard. And you don't have the time to be judging yourself because you're looking at them, you're feeling them, and you're listening to them. It's a double whammy effect. So you once you take the camera of your awareness from inside to outside, it's better for you, it's better for the audience, it's better for the message. Ultimately, you know, you multiply your income, your mm -hmm. impact, your influence, blah, 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 blah. I love it. Yeah, that's that's so powerful. Just have that, have that comment and basically say, like, you're I'm not getting into your world, you're coming into my world. We're going on a ride. It's it's yeah. If you don't have now, I don't know how long I um I have it. Let me give you the short five-minute mm -hmm. story. My first public speaking experience was a guaranteed, Michael. Guaranteed train wreck in the making. <laughs> I knew it. I wasn't trying to make it good. I knew it. It was guaranteed to fail. Everybody in the audience knew it. My family, everyone. Chronic stutterer. Walking the walk of shame to the stage. I had to read something in church. And this is not... See, I spent a lot of time... Uh, playing mu music with, uh, I don't know what's the right word now, brothers and sisters, mm -hmm. black people. I don't know what to do socially. I'm sorry, guys. You know, black people. And they brought me in their church and they told me stories and I played with them in church. So we're not talking get up and dance, make some noise church. This is white, rural, small village. Don't make a noise, just shut up church, right? <laughs> So I'm walking in dead silence, you can, and I'm thinking to myself, well, there goes the shit show. I can't speak. You know, like, g g like uh, in French, we say bégayé, stuttering. Mm -hmm. And I know it. Everybody knows it. It's like, okay, we're going to wait till he, you know. So there I am walking in the thing. Gave up on it. Chest caved in, you know, the head down, just oh, shit. So long story short. I come up on the stage, and when I my foot hits the stage, to this day, I still don't know what it is, what happened that moment. Now I teach it as beast mode. Electricity started feeling in my body. So instead of being dissociated, like, you know, like you have your head and then your yeah, body, yeah. It, it merged, and it felt like, like a Tesla coil or something, like electricity, like I, whole uh, body like functioning. That's what it is now. Not oh. yet. <laughs> Like what 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 happened there was was just the 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 merging of the dissociation of the head okay. and the body. It started functioning as a whole, like bzz, electricity in the spine and stuff. It's like oh, and I was walking. I was like, it changed in my posture. Now here's the thing: people, you know, they say, oh, you gotta. They, they learn this power posing stuff and these power breathing. None of none of that. It happened. Which is how I teach it now. But anyway, so this thing happened, and I was like, "Holy shit, what's that?" Then it kind of ch changed my walk. So I walked, you know, 10, 15 steps to the little podium mm -hmm. there. I had to read in church, so now I grabbed the podium, and this is where it happened. This is where the bubble thing happened. My personal cells sense of self expanded to peel the paint off the walls of the church <laughs> in one fell swoop. It was like. Now, 
the in these type of flow states there's time distortion you know like when someone is is in a car accident mm -hmm. it lasts one second but they have time to think and think about how oh, oh, i love grandma's cookies and they, they, there's stories in there but in time distortion my holding the podium and starting to speak was like a second and a half but in that time i had to think to myself holy Am I the only one feeling this? What? And then I could, I could literally feel the audience. I could literally feel the presence in the room. Hence the name of my company, Rockstar Presence Secrets. Mm -hmm. I have a saying, confidence is for wussies. Not really. It's just a saying, people. Because when you have enough confidence and you mix it with something else, you get charisma. Mix that with something else, you get presence. Okay? So that's the thing I teach. Stage presence. So anyway, this was the thing. I was like, holy. And when I thought to myself, am I the only one feeling this? My uncle in, in the room shouted <laughs> in a church and not supposed to speak in. Oh my God, we have a real one in the family. He just shouted that in French. <laughs> in French, just, holy shit, on a vrai dans la famille. Whatever, <laughs> okay. You, you, you wouldn't have learned that in, in, your, in your booklet. <laughs> so he just shouted that. And then I proceeded to make a fool of myself. Yeah, I just stuttered my way through the thing and then I walked back. So it's like as if this was the first time I got this stage presence thing. I got it one time for free. Then I lost it. Then it took me 25, 30 years of experimentation and coaching and drugs and rock and roll and world tours and stuff to get it back on a conscious level so I can switch it on and actually mm. teach it. So that's where it comes from. So when someone says to me, well, I got to go speak to someone. There's going to be 300 people or 30 at the office and I'm kind of shy. Well, I started below where you are. And now I teach people with their own TV shows. <laughs> so I started below shy of what you are. And now I teach people that do more than what you, that the task that you want to do is. So, and I know the steps consciously to get there. So I have like a scale where you're on the scale, where you need to go. Here are the steps. Do that. But I couldn't do that if I only gotten it one time for free as a miracle or whatever mm -hmm. it was. Because of the conscious steps, now I can teach it. Otherwise, it's just, you know, like some people get, get enlightened. Like they go to bed in depression. They wake up enlightened. These people are not the best enlightenment yep. teachers. So what's your strategy? Well, get depressed and go to go to sleep. Well, that didn't work. <laughs> See, so the, the this is where the conscious steps come yep. in. I, I I love you talking about this because because people ask me like, oh, you're such a great speaker. Can you teach me how? And I'm like, well, step one, don't be afraid of public speaking. Like, just have that part of your brain not work. <laughs> and step two, get up on stage and speak. And they're like, uh, how do you do that first part? I'm like, I don't know. So this is why I'm so glad you're on the show because I honestly, I mean. Honestly, the way I did it was I was a uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show shadow cast director for three years. So I was on stage doing crazy stuff every week for three years. And you do that and you lose your stage fright just by sheer repetition. But other than yeah, that, I don't know how to teach it other than like, well, go join a Rocky cast and do crazy stuff on stage for three years. That That's the Rambo yeah. technique. <laughs> that's, that's what it is, right? See... Now, what I do now is I basically teach civilians how to not suck uh -huh. on stage. Okay. Before doing that, I was teaching musicians how to not suck on stage, which is like musicians like a special race of people that are like another yep. planet. 
totally crazy. And so, and when I first became a coach, I was 16 years old. I was a competitive tennis player doing tournaments and okay. stuff. Then I got a thing called the tennis elbow. <laughs> Doctor told me you will not ever be able to play again. I told myself, we'll see about that. So I started coaching at 16, tennis. Then I've taught tennis. I've taught a bunch of musical instruments all the way to teaching white consciousness tantra. And when people think tantra, they think sex. No, no, not orgy type of tantra. That's red tantra. I was teaching white consciousness tantra. Okay, so the, the consciousness mm -hmm. stuff. All these years. I've also been training with a crazy French shaman. This guy here. Alexandre Nadeau. This means la restructuration systémique intégrale, which means the integral restructuration of a whole system of a human being. That's volume two, and here's volume one. Those are <laughs> substantial. These are substantial. That's like 1,200 pages of notes. And I'm a, a, an assistant to this shaman. So we're talking about the kind of guy here who has like not 1,000 testimonials. This guy has 1,000 pages of testimonials. We're talking about a guy who's like, there's 700 people and you say, okay, you, got, you guys think about your problems. And he goes like this. And he says, how about now? And then 30% of the room don't have any more knee pain. Like crazy shaman. So I work with this guy. I've been studying with him since 2005. So when I when someone comes to me, and so, I, you know, I, I'm used to seeing people, you know, traumas and convulsions and life-altering revelations. Like, we, that's a, just a, like another day at the office. When someone comes to me and says, I'm kind of shy to go on stage. <laughs> My internal reaction is, <laughs> but I don't say that. See, but my, 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 the, the tool is I'm using power tools to do jobs that would not necessitate as big as power mm -hmm. tools. So it's easy for me to make the transition, not because I have the tools, because I've been there and I know that in the moment it's real. Now I had to speak to myself. When I made the switch from teachings from teaching musicians how to not suck on stage to teach civilians how to not suck on stage, I honestly, Michael, had to say to myself, is this a big enough use of my skills? I thought it was subpar. Mm. Until I realized how far it goes for some people. They've been so traumatized. It's so huge for them that I have, and some of them needed to, like for some people, it's 90 minutes, they're healed. They're mm -hmm. done wow. forever. I have testimonials of that. Like I have a guy, 63 year old engineer, terrified from an event that happened at two years old. He was 62. So 60 years of terror in 90 minutes, done. And he, his testimonial is, I got more out of a 90 minute session with slide than 16,000 worth of training with the mm -hmm. big gurus. That's a nice testimonial to have, right? But for some people, like the max of my system is 21 mm -hmm. days for that. 
So anywhere from 90 minutes to 21 days, that's Michael's wow. step one. Don't be afraid yeah. of public speaking. But when I say don't be afraid, I don't mean don't be afraid like, yeah, I think it'll be okay. No, I mean like you step on there feeling like an 800-pound gorilla with a custom-made suit. I mean, you step in on mm, that thing. I know what you're talking about. So, <laughs> yeah, so, yes. So it's not, it's not like, you, you, like you're not wishing it's going to be all right. See, you could take a blood sample and check on the thing and it, and it, and it goes ting. So you get to the point where you're like, when can I get on the next stage? Yeah. That's what it is. And I also have people never, never, ever, ever work on an imaginary talk. So step one is to not fear the fear of public speaking, is to use the fear of public speaking. I have a, okay, when, when, I, when I was te uh, teaching tennis, one of my, my partners, Giscard Girard in French, Giscard Girard in English, he had a saying, when you go somewhere, you don't go there to get laughed at. Uh-huh. <laughs> What's this saying, okay? So uh, as a crew, when we go there in tournament, we don't go there to get laughed at. We're there to win. So uh, I lost my train of thought when I thought about just, just got there for a second. To, uh, stages but, to get on stages. So the first step was, was to... Yeah, so, so the fear of public yeah. humiliation is the worst like in Japan, they commit suicide. They, they'd rather take a sword, shove it in their belly, than face public mm -hmm. humiliation. We call it saving face yep. here yep. in Canada or, or in America. So what I do first things first, someone comes to me is terrified. I ask, okay, so when, when's your talk? I don't have a talk because I'm terrified. Precisely. When is it? I don't know. Then I teach them a, call, a concept called mm -hmm. the sweet spot. So you check your agenda. Next two weeks to three, four months, whatever it is. And you pick, you couple that with the size of the goal. So if you're totally terrified, you've never spoken to anyone, you can't speak at the Wembley Stadium tomorrow. Okay? But if your goal is to speak at a corporate event party with 30 people in seven years, well, that's too small and too far away. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So the first thing you do is you put a goal in the sweet spot. Okay, I'm going to speak at uh, the golf party coming up in June. That's the first thing. Because what that does is it triggers. You're not dealing with fake emotions. You're not dealing with remembered emotions. No, you're terrified right now. And then I have people do exercises where they physically demagnetize the emotional pull of traumatic events that brought them to feel that way. And when the body and the nervous system gets out of whack, we put in some new information in there. And then when they all, uh, when they think about the event, the real event come, coming up, they're like, yeah, bring it on. When someone is like, yeah, bring it on, then we move on to stage two of what do you actually say? You don't work on what you say or how are you going to say it or whatever before you're confident. No, 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 no. Because your lack of confidence will mess up your messaging. So for the same reason that you do not work on the delivery of a message, if the message itself is weak or can't hold its own weight, you don't work on the message if the messenger itself can't hold the weight of the message. So once you have a real, okay, I'm speaking at a summit in three months, I'm speaking at a funeral in two weeks, I'm, whatever it is. I, I, my thing is anywhere from a eulogy to mm -hmm. a sales pitch. 
I have like an algorithm to tell you exactly what to say. And for so whatever's coming up, once it's real and you say and you you can say yeah I'm speaking in three weeks at a thing there uh, uh, for a corporate function. Perfect. When you're feeling at least seven on ten, like ah bring it on, I'll be all right. Then we move on to what you say, in what order, what people need to hear for them to do what you want them to do at the end of your talk or your training, your event, your workshop, whatever it is, or your TV show. And then once you got that, you move on to how you actually say it so that they do what you want them to do at the end of the thing. So step one is confidence. When you couple confidence with a big enough message tied to something that is actually good for the audience and that they resonate, I teach a thing called subconscious rapport. When it resonates, oh, that's my next meeting here. When it resonates deeply enough, you get charisma. And when you, when you mix that with external presence and a few things, oh yeah, back to the story about the doctor who told me that I could not play anymore. I fixed my elbow using a bunch of ancient yoga and Indian and Asian techniques for the meridians in the arms and the elbows. And using that fix that healed my elbow, then I made a product to help musicians not have hand pain. Okay. A bunch of weird tricks. So the tricks that I teach that relate to public speaking and confidence and charisma and presence have nothing to do with whatever you read on LinkedIn last week. <laughs> stuff comes from a crazy shaman and stuff from India. You know, like, holy, oh, never heard about that. But I, I, I synthesize it and keep it simple and put it in steps. So what my one of my proudest accomplishments, I thought about this yesterday, Michael, is that I succeeded... You know, I started at 16, I'm 43 now, so whatever that is, 20-some years of coaching. And I succeeded in systematizing personalization. And that makes nice. me happy. Well, that is some incredible stuff there. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure that there's someone listening who's probably thought about the, I wish I could, you know, learn that thing that Michael has because I'm a natural at it and thus can't claim any credit. It's given to me by God and I use it, but I can't teach you how I got it, but you can. So if somebody heard that like, <laughs> oh my goodness, how can I get that? How would someone get in touch with you to get that? Someone would go to Google and type nextlevelpublicspeaking.com. Nextlevelpublicspeaking.com. Now, when you go to nextlevelpublicspeaking.com and you go... You know, if you don't want to spend any money, just go to resources and it will give you a checklist over there. I've put it together. And I was speaking with a, a guy who works with the neuroscience department at university in Texas, I believe. And he told me, oh, the neuroscience on that first one is deep. You go there, you download the checklist. If you can honestly, and I mean honest to God, honest inside of you. Really, if you can check the first one on that list, there's 17 steps on the checklist, preparation for public speaking. If you can check the first one, you're 80% of the way there to look, maybe not looking as good, but feeling as good as Michael. You're 80% of the way to rock star confidence if you can check the first one. Think of the other 16 as your personal safe face insurance policy. <laughs> okay, just go there, download the checklist and use it. That's the easiest way. And this will also give you, 
If you can't check them, it will give you, if you reverse engineer your own thoughts, it will give you, well, well, I need to work on that first and that and that and that. But if you don't, if you can't check the first one, stop immediately. Now, I don't care if you work with me or work with someone else. The confidence is the baseline. Start with that. Because people put confidence at the end. People think, well, if I know what to say, if I know exactly how to say it, if my script, I teach people to ditch the script. Think on your feet, speak like a natural leader. But people think if I know what to say, if I have a script out, then I'll be confident. No. If my suit matches the logo in my slides and I lose 20 pounds and I whiten my teeth and I get a hair transplant, no. Start with the damn confidence. It's not the thing that comes next. You start with that and then you build on top of that. That way, the congruence that people will feel hear, smell, see, and touch. And whatever the reptilian brain in us scans when we meet mm -hmm. someone, right? Is this danger? Is it good? Is this, should I eat it, mate with it, kill it, whatever it is? These scans are faster and there's more of them than any new article that you just read on some listicle online that says, you know, here's how to trick people to, tr yeah. to trust you. Start with bottom line, baseline confidence and everything Absolutely. else will flow. I love that. And, uh, and I actually just, just checked out your website while you were talking, and there's some really good stuff on that. So people should definitely go to that site, which is, once again, nextlevelpublicspeaking.com. Some really great resources. Because, yeah, when, once you can speak, it opens up so many opportunities from Facebook Lives to live stage presence to, you know, talking to people at networking events. Um I, I teach a lot of strategies for, you know, how to network without talking to strangers. And basically, if you don't have these skills, how you can work around it. But it's way yeah. easier if you have them. Yeah. And so, you know, <laughs> we're, work with Sylvain, get, get his resources, um, get that checklist, check that out. I, I joined the Facebook group. Um, I didn't fill out all the questions because I figured you know me. But <laughs> I joined the Facebook group. I know a guy. I, I know a you guy know who knows, a, knows guy. a guy. You know the guy who knows Beautiful. a guy. So. Check exactly. All right. Well, this has been awesome to have you on the show. Some really great concepts. Um, you're a great resource. It's so good when people say to me, how do I do what you do? And I'm like, I don't know. It's kind of like, it'd be like if someone said, how do I look as good as you look? I'm like, I don't know. Be born lucky. There you go. Um, but uh, sorry. But yeah, how, how do I get that speaking confidence? I got a guy. I can send you to somebody. The beard. I mean, how, how do I get the ratio of the beard to the, to, to the hair here? Like, how do I get that ratio right? Yeah, really Sorry. just, yeah, I, I can't claim any credit for, for that. It just happened. Um, but it's yeah. so, so great to have you on here. And, um, and, and we had you on the, the Power Lunch podcast as well. Hopefully I'll be back on there again as well. Because the great thing about speaking coaches is they tend to have pretty good presence on a show. So they make really good guests. What I like is I, I have a Google calendar system. Whenever I had to do something, like I create an event and I bump it to the mm -hmm. future. And tonight at seven o'clock, it says on my system, book on the power lunch again awesome. with Michael. It, it, it just lined up on the same day. Just there we go. like that. Love it. Fantastic. Well, this has been, this has been great. It's been great talking to you again. I look forward to talking to you again in the future. And I'll, so I, I think I have a couple summits coming up in the future as well that I'll uh, reach out to you also. So this has been Beautiful. awesome. And thank, thank you for you. being on this show. Nice. Anytime. Have a great... Thank you for having me. I mean, for anyone listening to this particular show, I know Michael has a few more, right? I know that I, that I know two of. So where else could people get 
they're they're Michael fix. So there's there's this one here. Yep. Guy knows a guy. I know there's a motivation there's thing morning in motivation, the morning. Morningmotivation.fun. I know there's a thing where group discussions, yeah, power, power Hour Lunch. lunch. Yep, which is on the Morning Motivation Podcast Facebook page. Um, is there uh, and then I've else? got a couple of summits, which I think by the all the summits currently planned by the time this episode airs will have passed. So uh, I do not know. I do not know what will be in the future of the future. That's the challenge with pre-recording episodes and then releasing them. Is there's things coming, but if they go to if they go yeah, to guy it'll all be it'll be there with links. There, there. There's a great quote that says it's it's hard to pre- it's hard to make predictions, especially when dealing with the future. <laughs> yes. Do you also do uh, guest appearances on other people's shows? Because I have a show called The Level Up Show. I. Live on LinkedIn, YouTube, and Facebook. I would love to have I you love there. being on shows. As Kimberly Crow says, when someone hands you a microphone, you say yes. Do you know Patty Farmer? I almost met her. Oh, my Lord. Patty. So we'll talk about Patty on, on our show. And whenever someone says she's there. Hey, would you like to speak? <laughs> yes. Yeah, she's Fantastic. Amazing. All right. Yes, we'll definitely have to talk more. Well, thank you, and we'll. And thank now I'm actually going to hit the stop button. Thanks for being on the show. <laughs> this has been the Guy Who Knows a Guy podcast with your host, Michael Whitehouse. This great theme song is by Patrick Howard. If you found this valuable, please subscribe, leave a review, and share this podcast. Find the full archive of all episodes at guywhoknowsaguy.com slash podcast. Check out my other podcast, Morning Motivation. It's a daily podcast of two to five minutes with a powerful hit of motivation and inspiration to get your day started. Morningmotivation.fun or search for Morning Motivation wherever you listen to podcasts. Join the community online in the Morning Motivation Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Morning Motivation Podcast. JV Connect is coming up quick, December 12th and 13th. If you are looking for a networking event where you can meet people who aren't looking to just pitch you or take, but actually want to collaborate, build strategic partnerships, joint ventures, maybe even find some mentors, some coaches, people to support you, accountability partners, who knows? If you're looking for good people in an environment that's not stressful, but is set up to give you a lot of great connections in an efficient amount of time, check out JV Connect, jv-connect.com. Dot com. That's jv-connect.com, December 12th and 13th, 2023. We'll see you there.